This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. When you need to know what's happening, it's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Jason LaCanfora. But we got to start with what we saw last night. And Jason, look, you've been on this, this Patriots thing, right? You've been saying for weeks now, they're lousy offensively. They don't do anything that excites you. And last night, I damn near fell asleep watching the Patriots again because I was like, this is boring football. And Mac Jones didn't even throw a touchdown last night, man. I mean, this is pathetic. Yeah, they look, they won ugly, and that's all they're going to care about, right, is they're they're seven and six, and they're in the hunt. Um, But it's a really limited roster. It's a really limited football team. Matt Patricia – you know, is impersonating an offensive coordinator. He isn't actually one. And Mac Jones just continues to regress. Um, it was a yeah. I mean, look, guys getting hurt left and right. It it was a tough. It was it was a tough game to swallow on a lot of levels. And Arizona's a phony football team. They've been a phony football team all season. I've been telling you that since August. Um, and big changes are necessary there, and I, I think ownership's going to have to make moves. I don't think they're going to have a choice because um, they're, they're going to lose their fan base. People are not signing up for another year of this Cliff Kingsbury stuff. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's a road win in December for the Patriots, right? Like, they don't have to apologize for that. But it, it's hard to look at them and 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 see them as a team that is going to win games in January. I, I, I just, even if they get in, I, I, I just don't see it. Yes. Judon and Uche can rush the passer. Sure. Um, you know, they've got a, a really good corner, Whew. but that ain't enough. It's not. And even if they were to make the playoffs, they're in, they're in the hunt. I, they're one and done. I mean, I don't buy yeah. them winning any playoff games. I don't care where it is. So, you know, I, I think this is just one of those situations where you look at this team and you see the flaws. And speaking of changes, I'm curious to see if Belichick makes any changes with his staff. Like, let, well, let's talk about the yeah. genius of Belichick for a second. He got this wrong. I Big know he, he got this whole offensive coordinator thing wrong. And is, does he have the balls to change this in the offseason, regardless of his relationships with Joe Judge and, and Matt Patricia? That's what I really want to know. Like, if you're serious yeah. about being better – and getting where you need to be, those changes need to be, be made on the Patriots' side. Well, he can be stubborn to a fault. He can be his own worst enemy with some of his personnel moves and certainly with some of his cronyism in the coaching staff um, and or nepotism. But the one thing about him is he he, he admits mistakes. He, he admits mistakes on trades. He admits mistakes. 
mistakes with uh, draft picks, right? He'll move on from a guy pretty quickly when he determines he's not really a part of the solution. And maybe his old buddy Bill O'Brien's looking for a job because, you know, maybe he's not uh, the answer in Alabama. There'll be other guys available. I, I would be surprised if he doesn't have somebody else calling offensive plays for him next year. Um, but there's there's nothing to hang your hat on offensively. I mean, they can run the ball okay. Like, they can run the ball pretty well. But now, you know, Harris and, and uh, Stevenson are, are, are hurt. I, yeah. I, um, and really, it's ultimately all about a quarterback. And, and I – the more I see a Mac Jones, the less I like him. And that's not what you want from a first-round quarterback. Jason Lock on four, guys. Subscribe to In the Huddle. We talk all things NFL. We go behind the scenes. We give you the stories. And more importantly, it's all year. I mean, we do it all year long. Offseason, certainly now, leading into the playoffs. All right, you have to learn how to win in the NFL. Buffalo showing me that they've got some warts. Mm-hmm. Every team does, but you're able to cover those up in certain instances with players and how you play and scheme. So the Jets are trying to learn how to win. Mike White got killed this weekend, and I'm looking at this game, and I'm going, should I truly believe in Buffalo? Because I've been a, a Bills Mafia guy for, since the start of the season with the personnel they have, Jason. But I'm looking at this, and I'm going, all right, why is this offense struggling? What's going on with Buffalo? Or was this a, a case where, listen, you just had two great defenses in the Jets and the Bills, this was a slugfest, and then they made a couple of plays. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a divisional game. It's December. It's a team that in the Jets that beat them just a few weeks ago. Um, I didn't think it'd be a high-scoring affair. I, um, I thought the 10 points was uh, – a lot. spread was egregious. Uh, the Bills, you said it. They have warts. They're, they don't look as good now as, as they did in late September, early October. They've suffered their fair share of injuries, um, Josh Allen included. Look, if they get the one seed and you have to go through Orchard Park, I, I, I think you still, you know, have to fancy their chances. If if they have to go to Cincinnati and go to Arrowhead, et cetera, um, you know that 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 one seed carries some um, real cachet with it. That that buy and that home field advantage is is significant um i at some point i think they'll get healthier on defense um the thing about the bills though is i i think they can win in different ways we've seen them lean into the run game a whole lot more in the last four or five weeks and they can do some interesting things there we know uh when josh allen's healthy what that pass game can look like and and it's it's a legitimate it's a legitimate defense so yeah, um, you know, not a lot of style points for them this last month or so, but they've still managed to win a lot of football games, and they still have a, a legitimate shot to be that one seed. Um, but it's not Josh Allen running away with an MVP like some of us would have thought, you know, six, seven weeks in. Um, and it's been a, a defense that's really had to adjust to injuries up front. You know, now the, the Von Miller thing. Um, you know, linebackers like Milano and Edmonds being in and out of the lineup. And obviously the secondary between the safeties and corner has there, there's been injuries seemingly since the start of the year. There's significant injuries. So for them to be where they are right in the thick of it, I, I say hats off. It's a great organization. 
Um, McDermott does a great job. Brandon Bean does a great job. But the idea that they were going to sort of like it was going to be them in Kansas City and everybody else in the AC, I'm I'm just not sure that it isn't, you know, Kansas City and Buffalo and Cincinnati and then everybody else and the drop off and then everybody else might not be as huge as we thought it was going to be. I'm glad you brought up Cincinnati. I'm all in on Joe Burrow for MVP. Now, I'm not disrespecting mm-hmm. what Jalen Hurts has done because he's been amazing. His team's winning. They secured a playoff spot. Uh, they could easily, you know, finish up this division. They get the best overall record. Yep. All those things are still in front of the Eagles. And it's it's a lot to do with Jalen Hurts. But since that 0-2 start for Cincinnati, this dude's been different. I mean, J- J- yeah. uh, Joe Burrow's been different. And I think for me, I said this to Baldy, you know, to go on the road and beat the Titans without Mixon and Chase was one thing. And then you come back and then you beat the Chiefs at home. And I'm saying to myself, why is he not getting the respect that he mm-hmm. should be getting when it comes to this MVP chase? Bengals beat the Browns 23-10. Um, is he putting this team on his back and just literally going to lead them to the playoffs and maybe another Super Bowl run? Well, I think so, you know. I mean, especially if this keeps up, you know, obviously in this game, you know, Chase is back for a few weeks, but then um, all the other receivers are are hurt, right? And there's this kid Irwin running around making 30-yard plays and – um, it's it's kind of a, a cast of people around it, right? Hayden Hurst banged up. Higgins plays like one snap. Boyd gets banged up. And it wasn't – this was another one where, the you know, he didn't win the box score. Like, it, he was 9-21 in the first half, right, like with the turnover. I mean, it was not – it was tough sledding for them. And the Browns' defense gives them fits traditionally. This was Burrow's first win over them. But that's another one where they just had to see it through. They had to find a way to win the game. Um, but, like, now on defense, Wuzier's been out for a while, their best corner. You know, now Trey Henderson's going to miss some time, their best pass rusher. Do they have the stuff in the moxie to overcome that? Because last year was a magic carpet ride, and they really didn't suffer any significant injuries, right? Logan Wilson missed a few weeks. Felt like that was it. We've already seen them do it in different ways this season when, when injuries hit other position groups. So I, I, I do believe in them. I do believe in Joe Burrow. Um, and, and they have taken on his identity. That's a franchise that for decades can't, found a way to come up small in a big spot. And Joe Burrow is just the ultimate big moment, big game player. Um, he's that smiling assassin. And it would not shock me. If they catch the Ravens, they win that division, and they're the one seed in the conference. Like they get the bye. I, I I don't think you can discount their chances. Yeah, I, I don't either. I think they're dangerous right now. They're playing with a lot of confidence, and Burrow's on top of his game. It's a reason why I believe the Bengals are going to be a problem in the playoffs. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Carl Dukes, Jason Lock on four. It's in the huddle. Follow Jason on Twitter, on social media, and follow this 
uh, podcast. Guys, like us, subscribe. We love to hear from you guys, and we appreciate all the feedback. And more importantly, we put out new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Cowboys got away with one, didn't they? Yeah, they, they probably should have lost to the Texans. Texans yep. just weren't good enough to finish it, but I thought they got away with one. They stole one yeah. on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, the Texans don't have a 60-minute roster, right? They've got like a, I don't know, a 12-minute roster or a 22-minute roster. Uh, and as things progress and as that sample expands, they're just a losing operation I, from the top on down. The, I don't think they care about winning football games. That's not the, the, that's not in the locker room. That's not the players. But the people who have s- sort of sculpted that thing and scripted that thing, the people who control the roster, the people who control the payroll, people who control transactions, they're not they don't they're not they don't want to do things that are going to um, prioritize winning this week over the master plan, which is widespread losing and accumulation of draft capital. So that's just who they are. That's what they are. Um, They've got one win. You know, it kind of speaks for itself. This team, um, the defense has really bowed up the last three or four weeks, but they don't have a quarterback. You know, the run game's dried up because it's all they could do. And then, you know, Chris Moore had himself a nice game. You know, Brandon Cooks pops once every five or six weeks, but they don't, they, they, they don't have, the talent to to win downfield. They don't have the quarterbacks. They don't have the pass catchers. Um, and again, I would say that's completely by design. So yeah, Dallas found a way to win. Houston found a way to lose. Uh, maybe it's a wake up call for the Cowboys. Maybe it's indicative of that hype train being a little um, overboard. I don't buy the Dallas Cowboys in big spots, right? I don't buy them in January. They're going to have to make a run to get me to believe. Is this the the, uh, the most balanced team they've had in a long time, sure. Uh, but I I got to see it to believe it with them. I, I just feel like there's something about them that makes me think um, when things start to go well and, and, and you know, Jerry's smiling ear to ear, like the other shoe's going to drop. You know, I, I don't know that there's – there's the right mentality and from ownership there. I, I think he's so re- willing and eager to buy into the hype whenever he's given a chance that, you know, the, the message is, is always the carrot and never the stick. Yeah. And, you know, I feel that way about the Vikings, the way you feel about the Cowboys. Sure. I, I buy the Cowboys, but you know, the Vikings game, And the Lions game was a prime example of what I've kind of been talking about all season. They had lost to the Eagles. They lost to the Cowboys, two really good teams. And you go, okay. And then here come the Lions. And the Lions put up 34 on this Vikings defense, which has been getting shredded. Terrible. And, 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 you know, I I saw this playing out, and I'm like, this is why I felt the way I felt about the Vikings. And I kept thinking Kirk Cousins was going to make a play. He didn't. And Jarrett Goff is playing his ass off right now, Jason. I mean, I don't know what he's yeah. doing, what they're doing. Uh, we talked about the OC and and, yes. and Johnson. He's playing his butt off right now, especially at home when they're at home and the crowd's behind them and and they've got uh, the run game going and they're on the fast track. They're a really hard offense to slow down. I mean, it is a legit offense. And Jared Goff at home is a top five quarterback. Now they've struggled, you know, outside the dome a little bit. And, you know, this Dan Campbell regime, they finally started what they finally won their first road game just a few weeks ago. So maybe they're getting that monkey off their back. Um, This is an interesting spot for them. 
against the Jets, and we don't know the Jets' quarterback situation just yet. And even if Mike White plays, he's not going to be 100%, and that game's a pick Um, I feel like the Lions have something going on there, though, that they believe in um, and that they've turned the corner from one of those teams that will just pee down their leg in the fourth quarter to a team now that seems to have a will to persevere. Um, and the defense has gotten better. Like, the defense has certainly made strides from where they were in, in you know, the end of October. First half of the season, you could pretty much hang 30 points on without trying. That's not their reality anymore. Um, yeah, they're a really hard team to defend, obviously. Uh, the run scheme is unique. Golf is not turning the ball over. Uh, you know, and, and there's some talent there. There's some talent there at wide receiver. There's some guys who are willing to make plays. And um, I don't know about you, Carl, but, like, I think they might be the third best team in the NFC right now. <laughs> I do. Like, I, I do. don't – I mean, no, no worse than the fourth. Now, that doesn't even mean they're going to get in the playoffs because right. all those early season losses have put them behind the eight ball. But, like, I look at them – and say, all right, who could win multiple games in the play? Like, who do I buy in January? Like, I buy the Lions more than the Vikings. I buy the Lions even more than the 49ers right now because you know, now Brock Purdy's hurt too. Like, yeah, eventually you run out of quarterbacks. Um, I don't buy there's nothing else in the A in the NFC West to buy. Um, the Lions for me right now are the best team in their division. The NFC South is just a complete train wreck i mean that's a joke of a division you know and and I, I i think the lions you know do i like them more than the eagles no do i think they could beat everybody else um in a new one-off neutral site game in the nfc east i do including the cowboys i do so i, I they're, they're maybe the most interesting team in the nfl to me right now i'm i'm captivated by what they're turning into and how they flip this switch um, right around midseason, and they're the little engine that could right now, and and I would fear them. I wouldn't want to face them with my season on the line. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah, the Lions. That listen, I think there are teams that are peaking at the right time, and depending on where they end up going, if they make the playoffs, we'll see. But but right now, here's the deal: they're scoring points, and you got to go into a game and say we got to stop them and, and and limit them to less than twenty points because they're putting up thirty on everybody right now. Oh, yeah. So that's the danger with the Lions. Now, are they going to give up points? Yeah, they gave up points uh, against the Vikings, but the but they're not giving up as much as they're getting. And, you know, the, you can give up 20, 23. If you're not giving up 27 a game, you got a shot. And right now, that's kind of where they are. It's in the huddle, guys. Let's talk about uh, the, the Titans and Jags. Trevor Lawrence is taking the next step. Yeah. And you see it. I, I think, you know, Doug Peterson doesn't get enough credit when it comes to this, that's why I thought it was a good hire when they hired him. Lawrence got, you know, stumped with Urban Meyer last year. That was a joke. But now you're starting to see his development and how he's making the throws he needs to make. I thought this might have been his best game as a pro. They beat the Titans 36-22. And I'm, I'm like, what's going on with the Titans? Falling apart. They are. Well, I mean, they fired their GM a week ago, right? Ownership is flexing its muscles. And um, I think ownership probably thinks – it knows a whole lot more about um, how to build a winning football team than it really does. Uh, we'll find out, you know, who who replaces John Robinson, and we'll find out about the direction of the team. But you know, they their scoring differential has indicated all year. Uh, 
that they're probably that, that Mike Vrabel gets the most out of them in big spots, but over 18 weeks, is that one of the better teams in football? No, their net touchdown differential would tell you the same thing would tell you they're not even the best team in their division. And, and they're not, um, they just got punked by Jacksonville. They face each other again in a couple of weeks. Um, the Titans are one of these teams that are badly stuck in the middle. Like they're in the worst spot possible. Um, it's hard to get out of. And the reality for that football team is, especially when you fire your GM and, and you need to evaluate your roster, because when you fire your GM in December, even if you're in first place in your division, ownership's telling you this isn't a winning team. I don't think we can win a damn thing. I, I'm not caught up in playoff revenue. I'm caught up in charting a new course for the franchise. Well, that would also tell you bench the old quarterback and play the one you just drafted. Like, it's a lot like the situation you're in in Atlanta. Like, Atlanta, at the time they did this, and they did it later, at least three, four weeks later than they should have, but they finally did it because it's like, all right, well, even if we win this crappy division at 7 and 10 or whatever, where are we going with Marcus Mariota? Like, where are we going with this roster? And I would say the same thing about Tennessee. Now, Tennessee's defense is better than Atlanta's, at least it had been, but they're running out of players and running out of steam on that side of the ball as well. Um I, I mean, I, I, I like. Don't you think the new GM would want to see a month of Malik Willis to, to I, because I, he's he's got to figure out the quarterback position. Like he didn't do the deal with Tannehill. He didn't. Yep. He didn't keep that band aid going. You know, it's just very. It's people don't hold owners accountable enough. This same ownership group evaluated their franchise four months ago and said we are a winning franchise. This is a winning roster and extensions for everybody. <laughs> yes. You know, that's yes. no, like, this wasn't like Denver where the owners come in and like, there's already been a coach who was just hired. Right. And they inherited GM and they take over in October and they line up the quarterback, but everything else was sort of bequeathed to them. This, you made this thing. Like you were the architect of it and you're in first place in your division three quarters of the way through the season and you punt on your GM, like, and I think that sends a message to the locker room. And I, I think that speaks for itself. And that looks to be a team that is falling apart. Now, will they fall apart enough to let Jacksonville overtake them? I, I don't know. Um, but that was a day where in the first half, they could, there was no answers for Derrick Henry. And the second half, the Titans could not score a point. I mean, they could not move the football. They could not score a point. Burke's getting hurt. I mean, there's some stuff. I get it. You know, it's not all roses and cookies. And then, you know, guess what? That's the NFL. Um, but I think you have to really look at that whole organization and say, like, where are they? And, you know, instead of doubling down with Tannehill, was that the time to really start a rebuild and, and start to chart a new course? Because Derrick Henry's not going to run for 2,000 yards every year. He's not going to hold up to 400 touches a year. Like, he's not superhuman. Yeah, Vrabel, you know, he can't be the GM. I said this to Baldy the other day. I'm just not a firm believer in coach GM. It just doesn't work. Um, and, and there are numerous examples. So whether he has his stamp or his fingerprint on where it goes, and he will if he stays, I, I think the bigger thing is, to your point, they didn't make the move they needed to make. And And – Listen, sometimes I, I wonder what these teams and organizations are thinking. 
I would have moved on from Ryan Tannehill in the offseason, yeah. right? In the offseason. You went into a playoff game last year where Joe Burrow and the Bengals come in and your quarterback play was terrible. And some people say, well, it was just one game. No, go look at Tannehill's career. He's good in games that don't mean anything. But in these games that have mattered, he's never been great. And I think, you know, sometimes you just don't want to believe the evidence in front of you. So I'm a big believer. They, they made the mistake of not moving on when they should have there. And then you and then you turn right back around, Jason, to your point, and you draft Malik Willis. What the hell? Well, and look, if you're willing to let, like, you let Jonu Smith walk a couple years ago, not that he's a dominant, great player, but, boy, he really fit what they did, and they like to get nasty with two and three tight ends. So you 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 allow you don't want to pay the freight you weaken your tight end room, you you trade AJ Brown at the draft right who who yep. is an absolute beast a difference maker one of the elite playmakers in this league, but you stick with the old quarterback and you stick with this hodgepodge roster and then you're somehow shocked in <laughs> you know mid December that you're not one of the best teams in the league and that. You know, you, you had a stretch of time where that team played way over their head for a minute, but like there's some serious flaws there. And that's when like you have this Eureka moment before the Philadelphia game. And then you fire your GM three days, four days later. I, I it doesn't add up to me. It doesn't it doesn't add up. And you know, if you still had AJ Brown, and you know you you you, add, you added a couple of pieces instead of subtracted, you know you might have been able to at least do what you had done in the past with Tannehill and be one of the last eight teams standing or something like that and have a real chance. But I don't I don't get it, man. It doesn't add up. And I guess I guess they still win that division, uh, um, but it's hard to take them seriously as a franchise. Right now.